First Kings chapter 17. Uh, we're not in First Timothy. We finished our First Timothy series last week, and so now we're jumping over into the Old Testament for a couple months, and we're going to look at Elijah and Elisha, okay? Two prophets of the Old Testament. We're going to kind of pick out different instances in their life, and we'll be looking at uh, those stories and applying the Word of God to our lives. So, uh, you follow along with me. We're beginning in verse 1 of chapter 17. Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord the God of Israel is before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him, Depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there." So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Cherith that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And after a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon and dwell there. And behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks And he called to her and said, bring me a little water and a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. She said, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar, a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you've said. But first... Make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterward, make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord of God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent. The jug of oil shall not be empty until the day the Lord sends rain upon the earth. She went and did as Elijah said, and she and her, he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to open up uh, the scriptures and to read of your prophet, to read of, of your provision. God, you're a God who provides. You're a God who takes care of us so well. God, thank you that we can trust you, Lord. We can trust your word. We can step out in faith and do what you're calling us to do, and you will provide. And Lord, we, we affirm that today. We pray that you would uh, give us faith to live, um, to tackle the struggles of life, uh, to do the ministry that you've called us to do. Father, give us faith. Help us to trust you. Lord, I pray that you would speak through the power of your Holy Spirit today. In Jesus' name, amen. For much of uh, history, the history of God's people, um, the people of God have not always had a Bible. Uh, isn't, it, isn't it a great thing that we have a Bible today, that we have the, the inspired Word of God collected for us in a book in which we can read and know the truth of God. We can, we can know the revelation of God and His Son. But for many uh, years and many centuries and much of, of the history of the people of God, they didn't have that. And instead, God would often speak through prophets, okay? Now, Elijah and Elisha are examples of prophets in the Old Testament. They were men through whom God spoke his truth to the people, okay? Uh, now, how, you may be asking, how, how do you know who's a prophet and who's not a prophet? Well, oftentimes, prophets were accompanied by miraculous signs. God would, God would do these incredible things. He, he would give them the ability to predict what was going to happen. He would pronounce things through them that were supernatural events so that everybody would know that God is putting his stamp of approval on this guy. 
Uh, God speaks through this man. We know that through the miraculous signs that he is performing. God did that through uh, people, men like Moses and through Elijah and Elisha and Isaiah and Jeremiah and many of his prophets. And then again in the New Testament through Jesus. Remember all the miracles of Jesus were part of the purpose of those miracles were to confirm this indeed is God's son. Then through the, the apostles uh, in the early church whom God was confirming this is, these are my people, these are my men, this is my word uh, spoken to you that we might have Bibles today. But in this period of time, God spoke through prophets. And so God sends a prophet, Elijah, to speak a message to a wicked king named Ahab. Now, Ahab uh, made a really, really bad choice in a wife, okay? Uh, a lesson for us today, don't make a bad choice in a wife. Ahab did that. He chose Jezebel. Jezebel was a wicked woman who was a worshiper of Baal. She was a foreigner, and she was a worshiper of Baal. Through Jezebel and Ahab, uh, the, the nation of Israel and the people of God, more importantly, were led astray into idol worship. Okay, so they're worshiping this false god named Baal. And Elijah comes today in chapter 17 to give a message to Ahab and to the people of God. And what we got to realize is that the message of God is not always a popular thing. And it certainly wasn't in this case because the message that God gives here is of drought. Okay. Uh, not everybody's always happy with the message of God. In fact, you know what? Not everybody's, not everybody's happy with the Bible, are they? Uh, there's a lot of stuff in the Bible that really people get kind of cranky about, you know, uh, things about sin and about marriage and about holiness and about immorality and about um, heaven and about hell and about salvation and uh, who are the people of God, who aren't the people of God. There's a lot of things even in the revelation of God that we have that many people rebel against, and, and that was the case in, in this day as well. And Elijah's message to Ahab and to uh, the people of God is there's going to be a drought. Now, what you need to understand is Elijah's not simply discerning from the weather patterns that there's going to be a drought. Elijah's not a weatherman, okay? He's not saying, you know what, uh, I've been studying and uh, I think there's El Nino's coming and we're going to have a drought. This is a judgment of God, okay? It, it, it's a weather phenomenon, but it is a judgment of God upon the people of God because of their sin. God is getting their attention through adversity, that happens throughout the Bible. If we turn to Second Chronicles chapter 6, uh, Solomon talks about that when he, when he uh, is building the temple, dedicating the temple. He says, when the heaven is shut up and there's no rain because they have sinned against you, if they pray toward this place and acknowledge your name and turn from their sin, when you afflict them, then hear in heaven and forgive their sin and uh, sin of your servants and, and your people Israel when you teach them the good way in which you should walk and grant rain upon your land which you have given your people as an inheritance. And so even in the Old Testament and other times, God would send drought upon the people as a punishment. In fact, in Amos chapter 4, uh, it shows how God sent all kinds of adversity upon the people of God in an attempt to turn them back to him. Amos chapter 4 verse 6 says, I gave you cleanness of teeth. Okay? When God gives someone cleanness of teeth, he's not giving them toothbrushes and dental appointments. What he's given them is no food. Okay, They have cleanness of teeth because there's no food. He says, I gave you cleanness of teeth in all your cities and lack of bread in all your places, yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. Verse 7, he says, I withheld rain from you. Okay, verse 80 or verse 90 says, I struck you with blight and mildew in your gardens and your vineyards, your fig trees, your olive trees, the locusts devoured, yet you did not return to me. Several examples in that one passage there of God bringing adversity upon his people in an attempt to turn them back to himself. Now, the great lesson for us to learn in that is simply this. God is more concerned about your soul than he is your comfort. Okay. All right? That's why we. That's why it's freezing in here right now. Is because God is more concerned with your soul. I see everybody shivering. Then your comfort. I'm actually pretty comfortable. God is more concerned with my comfort than no. Uh, that's not what we could say. 
But the truth is this, that God is more concerned with your soul than he is your comfort. And there are times where God will send adversity to his people for the good of your soul. Um, God, God, God doesn't want you to live in sin. God does not want you to continue in sin. God does not want you to lead your family in sin. And so there are times where God will indeed bring adversity upon the people of God to bring them back, to get their attention, to pull them back into where they need to be. And I think there's another reason for God bringing drought upon the people, uh, upon his people in, in 1 Kings 17. Baal, who, whom they had fallen into worship, who was the false god, Baal was the god of storms. He's the god of lightning, the god of thunder. And so isn't it a cool irony that basically God says, look, it's not going to rain for three and a half years. It's not going to rain until I tell it to rain. And what's he saying? He's saying Baal's got nothing, okay? He, he's nobody. He, he's not alive. He's not living. He's dead. He's worthless, okay? God is kicking the legs out from under the things that they were leaning upon and trusting in. And notice how, how Elijah describes God. In verse uh, 1 of chapter 17, he says, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives Our God is a living God. Baal is dead. Baal can't do anything for you. It's worthless to treasure and to love and to worship and to sacrifice to and to give attention to Baal. He's dead. Now, Muhammad, he's dead. And Buddha, he's dead. And Joseph Smith, he's dead. And Allah, he's not alive. But Jesus is alive. And so the message of drought was was spoken to the people of God to show them a couple things. Number one, I'm going to bring adversity upon your life until you turn back to me. And number two, Baal has no power God has the power. God is a living God. Well, the message of drought was not a big hit. Uh, wasn't a big hit with Ahab, as you can imagine. Here's a king who just hears that there's going to be uh, financial ruin upon his nation. There's going to be um, suffering and, and calamity. And so it's not a big hit. He's angry. Jezebel is angry. And so Elijah is threatened. And so immediately the word of God comes to Elijah again. And God tells him in verse 3, depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself. Okay? So basically God sends Elijah into, the, into, into God's witness protection program. He, he sends him away to be hid. Okay? Um, I think there's another reason God sends him away. If you'll just, just think about this for a minute. Uh, not only is God protecting Elijah, but God is also, again, I think, judging his people. There are times where when the people of God refuse to listen to the word of God, when the people of God harden their hearts against the word of God, there are times where God pulls back his word from his people. I, I, I think that. I see that. And there's another place in, in the minor prophets where God talks about a famine of the word of God. And I believe that there are times where if you ignore the Word of God and ignore the Word of God and ignore the Word of God, I think God pulls away the Word. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean you're going to go home and you're like, where did I put my Bible, honey? I can't find my Bible. You know, it's gone. God took it. No, I don't think that it's that kind of removal. But you know what? There are times where this doesn't impact people. You know, there are times where the Spirit of God, the anointing of the Spirit of God is not on the Word. And people come and they hear the Word of God and they don't respond. That's a serious thing. And I, and I think God is removing, he's removing, he's pulling back the word of God from the people of God that they might live and in, in, in suffer in their misery and then they might see that there is only one true God. And we see that God uses Elijah in that way to bring the people back to the one true God. So Elijah's out in the wilderness and God's taking care of him, okay? There's no store out there. There's no, uh, there's no hutches out there. Uh, there's no restaurants. There's nothing out there. Elijah is completely dependent upon the word of God to take care of him. And God tells him, Here's, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to send the ravens. I'm going to command the ravens to feed you. Isn't God an interesting God? Aren't you glad he's not boring? You know, I mean, he is anything but boring. I loved that, that picture in my, my mind and in the flannel graph when I was in Sunday school of those birds coming over the hill with food, you know. I remember as a kid thinking about what would that be like, you know. 
would it be all slobbery and nasty? And, you know, I don't, I actually don't know that birds have slobber. I don't know. Actually, I think they eat it and throw it up for their young, don't they? You know what? I think God kept them from doing that. I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, they're coming in with a ribeye, you know, or something. I don't know. That is in my mind. God took care of it, though, okay? How did that work? I don't know exactly how that worked. But, but God takes care of his people in miraculous, creative, incredible ways, all right? So God is taking care of Elijah. All is well. He's hidden in the wilderness. He's safe from Ahab. He's safe from Jezebel. And then guess what happens, okay? Verse 7, after a while, the brook dried up. Now, why would the brook dry up, okay? There's no lack of power in God. You know, I mean, he's commanding the birds to bring him food and he's got this little brook to drink out of. But now why all of a sudden with the brook guy, couldn't God keep the water flowing? Of course he could have kept the water flowing. So why does the brook dry up? Okay. You you know what? I would have been really tempted to discouragement if I had been Elijah. Wouldn't have you been tempted to discouragement? Here you are, man, just, you know, trying to be obedient to the Lord. You're doing what God has told you to do. You're following the Lord and obeying the Lord. and, and, And you're out here and you're depending every day from ravens and what? And then all of a sudden, your source of water dries up. You know, there's a lot of times when we ask, why so many trials? Why, why can't it just be easy? Am I the only one that ever asked that question? You know, I mean, what, it, nobody else has ever asked that, have you? You've never, you've never looked at your life and said, God, why can't it just be easy? You know, why, why do I have to, why, you know, I just made it through that trial, God, and I feel like I trusted you. I feel like I did what you wanted me to do. And now I'm just in the clear and bam, you know, here's something else. You know what? It was that way for a Elijah too. It was that way for the widow, okay? You know what? We we, got to learn that walking in the Christian life means trusting Christ day by day, day by day. It's a continual process of leaning upon Jesus and trusting Jesus and learning to look to him for everything that we need. Now, that's not the way we prefer to live, is it? You know what? We prefer for God just to go ahead and solve everything at once, don't we? You know, just just give me a smooth highway for the next 10 years, God. That's what I want you to do. That we, 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 don't, we don't like having to come continually to him and look to him. We don't like being in continual need. You know what? If, if, I were, if I were the widow, you know what I would have wanted God to do? I would have wanted God to back up his 18-wheeler to my house and give me enough flour and oil for the next three and a half years, for as long as the famine. I mean, that, that's what I would have wanted God to do. I would have wanted God so that I could just open my pantry and say, whoo, you know, we're going to be okay, you know? I mean, there it is. It's all stacked up, and I've got it, and I don't have to worry, and I don't have to pray, and I don't have to, you know, I mean, that's, that's the kind of thing we want. We want God just to take care of it. We, we get discouraged sometimes when it's trial after trial after b- stumbling block after obstacle after difficulty. You know what we get discouraged with? We get discouraged when God keeps asking us to do things that are uncomfortable. Anybody else do that? You know, I mean, it's like, it's like God keeps putting ministry. We just kind of get, uh, get comfortable with one ministry. Well, you know, God puts somebody else in our life. Says, I want you to minister to them. Like, oh God, they're even harder than the last guy. You know, I, I mean, we, we, we struggle with that continually having to trust the Lord. Uh, my, you know, my son Haddon was, was sick uh, in the last month or so. And uh, he was sick in the hospital, you know, and then he had like three weeks of that IV antibiotics every, every few hours. Emma had to administer to him, and finally he got well, and we're like, 
We had like one day where we took this breath and we're like, man, everybody's well. You know, everybody's healthy. The next day, Haven's got bronchitis. Haddon's got a fever, you know. And I, and I remember I walked in there and, I, and he's fine now. He's good. We, we wrestled last night. He's, he's great. Uh, but, 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 you know, I walked in Monday or Tuesday and Emma came out of his room. She said, oh, he's got a fever. You know, I, I just remember saying, I think what I, I said some smarter like thing, uh, which I shouldn't have, but I did. I mean, you know, I was like, man, he just drank a pharmacy, you know. I mean, how could he have a fever? You know, and I remember what I was expressing was just, God, you know, come on, we, we just want a little bit of health here, you know? And, and that, you ever feel that way? You gotta, why, 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 God, why, you know what? God's not in the business of giving extra grace. He doesn't do that. He, 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 doesn't, he doesn't solve all your problems out, out in front of you so that you never have to face him, so that you never have to trust in him, you know? If you feel that way, if you're kind of frustrated and you just feel like, man, I'm always weak and I'm always feel like, you know, God, I got to depend on you to do this thing. And God, you, you put this ministry in front of me and I just don't feel equipped. And Lord, I, I, I got to trust you. You know what? You're normal. Okay. That's exactly how you ought to be. Okay. You think you got it all together? You got a problem. Okay. We'll talk about you in a minute. But, but if, you're, if you're just in constant need if you're just in constant need of, of the Lord's help, you're right where you need to be, okay? Listen, God's grace, you can't get it at Sam's Club, okay? Some of you are big Sam's Club shoppers. I can see some of you. You know why you go to Sam's Club? Two reasons. Number one, it's supposed to be cheaper. I don't know that it really is. But here's the big reason. You don't have to go back very often, right? I mean, I mean, some of you that just hate having to go back, you hate having to shop, you hate, you hate running out of stuff and being in need, so you love to go to Sam's and buy 400 rolls of toilet paper, and then you, you're just good, you know? You're good for a couple months, or, you know, if, you're, if, you're, if you live in my house with five kids, you're good for three days, you know? I mean, that's, they use a lot of toilet paper, you know? But, you know, that's, that's what we like. We, and, but you know what? You don't, go, you don't go to Sam's Club to buy grace. You, know, you can't get grace there. You know why? Because God wants you to learn to depend on him daily. You know what God wants? God wants you to learn to be in a state of dependence every day. That, that's the Christian life. That's the way Jesus lived. Did you know that? That's the way Jesus, Jesus got up every day depending on the Father. Every day in the Word. Every day in prayer. Every day leaning on God. There, there's not any of this Well, I'm good for a while. You, you know, I mean, just think about that. You know, did, would we ever want to come to God and say, God, I, I want to get grace like, like I get stuff at Sam's Club so that I don't have to come to you? That's the reason why, right? God, I don't want to have to come to you. I don't want to come to you tomorrow. I don't want to pray tomorrow. God, I'm busy. I don't want to read the Word tomorrow. I, I want to just be able to be taken care of. Hey, you know what? It just doesn't work that way, okay? And listen, if you're one of those people that you think, you know what, I got it covered for a while. I, there's no great need for me to depend on the Lord. There's no great need for me to respond to God today. There's no great need for me to, you know, be in, in, in prayer and depend on the Lord. You know, I, I got news for you. You're in trouble. First Corinthians 10, 12 says this. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Man, that, that's the guy that's in trouble is the guy that thinks, man, I got this all covered. I'm good. I'm, I got it all planned out. In Revelation, there's a church that thinks that way. Revelation chapter 3, it's called the Church of Laodicea. In verse 17, he says this, For you say, I'm rich and I prosper and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched and pitiable and poor and blind and naked. This church thinks they got it all together. Jesus says in verse 18, I counsel you to come to me. Come buy, buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich. Jesus is telling them, look, you, you got to come to me. Well, after a while... The brook dries up. Elijah's in need again. That's okay. The word of God comes to him again. And it tells him, 
you need to go to this widow who's in Zarephath. And she's going to take care of you. She's going to provide for you. Now, there's a couple strange things about that. Number one, Zarephath's not in Israel. God sends Elijah to a foreign country. Interestingly enough, guess who's the God of the people who live in Zarephath, the Phoenicians? It's Baal. God sends Elijah to Baal's backyard, you know? <laughs> he says, not only am I going to show everybody that it's not going to rain, but I'm going to go ahead and send you over there, and I'm going to show them what I can do. I'm going to be a testimony through this widow. And so God sends, sends Elijah to Baal's backyard, and then he sends him to a widow. Not only a widow, but an impoverished widow, okay? Not only an impoverished widow, but a widow who has come to her last meal, and she knows that after this meal, she and her son are going to die. Now, now, ladies, I want you to take that to heart. There's some mamas in here. You, you know what that is. I, you, you, not, but nobody in here has been, ever been in that position. You know, where you've done everything you can for your child, but you can't feed them anymore. You got, you got one biscuit left. You're going to make one biscuit for them, and then you're both going to die. That lady's in trouble, isn't she? That lady's got nothing. She's at the end of her rope. She's tapped out. She's got no strength. She's got no husband to provide. She's got no pantry full of food. She's got no soup kitchen down, downtown. She's got no hope. I mean, she, she basically tells Elijah that. She, when Elijah says, go, get, go, go bring me back some bread in your hand, she says, look, I'm, I'm making my last meal. I've got no hope, okay? Now, now, let me ask you, how many of you think it's a good idea to go ask somebody who's completely tapped out, who's completely spent, who's got not even any hope, to go ask that person to do ministry? Is that really a good idea? Well, God did. God did that. that that's who he picked. God, God sends Elijah to ask that lady who's just hanging by a thread To provide for the prophet. Now, some of you aren't going to think that's very strange because you felt that way a lot, haven't you? You, you feel, man, I ain't got nothing, you know? And yet, God keeps putting these opportunities in my life, and I'm spent, and I've spent all my stuff, and man, I feel like I'm just barely kind of falling apart myself. I'm just holding on to grace, and yet, God keeps putting this stuff in my life, you know? And, and God keeps, keeps challenging me. Why? Well, a couple reasons couple reasons. Number one, that's an expression of faith. Some of you in this room, hopefully most of you, you'd say, I'm a person of faith. You, you would say that. You would profess. You would say, I'm a person who, who's been called by Jesus Christ, drawn by the Holy Spirit, born again by the power of God. I've put my faith in Christ. I've turned away from my sins. I am a person of faith. If you're a person of faith, let me tell you, the way that your faith is expressed many times is exactly like this, okay? When, when you're empty and you got nothing, God says, all right, now, I know you got nothing. I know you're empty. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to step out and I want you to minister to this person. I want you to forgive this person. I want, you to, I want you to help this person. I want you to encourage this person. I want you to go visit this person. I want you to teach this class. I want you to minister to these little kids. I, I, I want you to work in my kingdom. I want you to serve. I, I want you to, I, I'm, I'm putting this in front of you, and I want you to respond. That takes faith, doesn't it? It takes faith. Man, to, to, to step out and, and to be willing to trust God. And you know what? Faith is often expressed in relationships. 
I mean, really, our faith is lived out by loving each other, isn't it? That's one of the key ways, by loving and caring and encouraging and giving and serving and, and worshiping together. And I mean, that's one of the ways our faith is lived out, okay? So number one, God calls her to do this because it's an expression of faith. Number two, God calls her to give. Why? Because he always supplies what he calls on you to give, okay? God always supplies that. Let, let me give you a great verse with that. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and I think it's verse 8 is where we're going to begin. Verse 8 says, God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. What that verse just said is that God's going to give you everything you need for every good work. Okay, Look at verse 10. He who supplies seed to the sower, bread for food, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing. That's a farming illustration that says God's always going to give you enough seed to plant. Okay? He's always going to give you enough seed to invest in ministry and in the lives of other people and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Verse 11, you'll be enriched in every way for all your generosity, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Folks, God, God always supplies what he calls upon us to give. Now, that's a really encouraging principle now. Now, now it doesn't seem like God's, God's putting his finger on that widow and just squeezing out every last drop. You know what it looks like now? God, God's getting ready to provide for her. You know why he's getting ready to provide? Because he's asking her to give. Okay? He, he's saying, widow, I want you to take a faith step. And you know what? Faith always triggers the grace of God in our lives. And so he said, take a faith step. And as you take a faith step, my grace is going to flow through you to the prophet. But as it flows through you to the prophet, it's going to supply for you as well. And that, that's a cool principle. Man, can you imagine if you start looking at life that way, that whenever God asks you to give of your time, you know what he's going to do? He's going to provide more time. That's cool. You know, because usually what we think is, whoa, 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 no, 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 God. I, I, I got, man, my schedule is full. It's all, everybody's schedule's full. There's, there's nobody has any time. I, I've realized that a long time ago as a pastor. I'm never going to find anybody that has any time. And so everybody's already all full. And so if you're going to give, it's going to have to be a face step. You're going to have to say, okay, God, I don't know how it's going to work, but all right, I'll step out. We'll, we'll find time. God, you'll provide it. And you can trust God to provide. And if God calls you to give monetarily, he's going to provide. If God calls you to forgive somebody, here's what I've heard from so many people. I just don't have it in me to forgive. All right, great. That's why you need to take a step of faith. Say, all right, God, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. You say, but, but I can't do it. I don't have it in me. All right, I know. But you're going to take a step of faith, you're going to do it, and you're going to trust God to put it in your heart to do it, right? It's faith, isn't it? You know, some of you are going to say, well, God, I don't have the energy. All right, I'm going to take a step of faith. God's going to give me the energy. Our resources are limited. We all agree with that. This lady's resources were limited. She's got nothing. But God calls her to step out in faith, and he's going to provide. Man, look at verse 13. Let's, let's just unpack this real clearly here. Verse 13 uh, Elijah just said in verse 12, go, go make me a biscuit, go make me a, a little cake, bring, bring me some bread in your hand. She said, you know, I, I'm, I don't have anything. All I got is one last meal. In verse 13, here's what Elijah says to her. This is the word of the Lord. Remember, this is not Elijah's word, it's God's word. Do not fear, go and do as you have said, but first. You see that word first? You see that in your Bible? I, I put two lines under that in my Bible. First, 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 make me a little cake. First, and then afterward, just make, make yourself something. Now, if some of you are doing the math, you're saying, okay, she, she's only got enough for a little biscuit for her son, a little biscuit for her. That's it, two. So if I make something for you, Elijah, what does that mean? I don't got enough for me. 
You see, and, and you, know what, you know what happens? Some people do the math. And see so you know what they do? They say, no. Nope. Nope, God, not doing it. You're not getting my time, God. You're not getting my finances, God. You're, you're, not, you're not getting my energy. God, I'm not forgiven. I'd like to, God, but I just don't have it. God, I'm not ministering to that person. God, I'm not, I'm not investing, God. No, no, God. I'm doing the math in my head, God. And if, if I do that, I don't, I don't have any for me. God does that intentionally. He could have done it the other way, couldn't he? He, he, he could have said, all right, Elijah, tell the widow this. Tell the widow, go home, open up your cupboard. I put, I put 10 bags of flour in there. I put, I put 10 jugs of oil. You got plenty, now make me something. God could have done that. that. That takes the faith out, doesn't it? Instead, God says, no, first, first, you, you give what you got to me, and then there'll be enough for you. Wow. That's the way it works, isn't it? Remember what Jesus said when he was talking about anxiety? Some of you worry, right? Remember what Jesus said about that in Matthew 6? You know, he talks about, you know, don't worry, you, you can't change how many hair, hairs are on your head? You can't change your life one, one little bit. But then, then all that leads to Matthew 6, 33, where it says, seek first the kingdom of God. Remember that? Seek first, first, first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added unto you. You know, really, the widow never really gave Actually, all, all she did was take a step of faith and God supplied. You know why I say that? After she got done giving to Elijah, how much she have left? Same she did before. Well, supper comes. She does it again. How much she have left? Same she did before. Next day, she gives. How much she have left? Same she did before. You see? So really, as she steps out and ministers, the power of God comes in. And what happens? She's, just, she's basically a channel of the grace of God. That's what we want to be. We want to be channels of the grace of God. This is a scary thing. You know how I know it's scary? It's scary? Well, I know it from experience, okay? Because there's always that, oh, Lord. Lord, I, I'm just weak. I just don't know if I can do this, God. And I'm afraid if I do. But I know this because notice what he says to her in verse 13. And Elijah says to her, do not fear. You, you know why he says that? Because he knows what well, he's going to tell her is going to be scary. <laughs> you know? He says, do not fear. It's a fearful thing to step out in faith and trust God to take care of you. And there is another option, folks. There's another option. Don't you like it when you have options? Here's your other one. She could have said no. Some of you may have been in a situation where you've done that. You said no. She, he, she could have said that. She could have said, no, I, I don't believe it. I don't trust I'm tapped out, go away. And she could have gone home. She could have opened up that cupboard, looked at that little bit of flour, looked at that little bit of oil. I bet you she'd have turned around. She'd have stewed. She'd have been anxiety-filled. She probably went to the bathroom and threw up and got sick and just think about her son dying. Who's going to die first, me or him? You know, she probably went back. She's running all the recipes through her head. Man, how can I stretch this out? How can I stretch this out? How can I steal? How can I, how, how can I, oh, you know, she probably maybe would have tried to make just a little bit of portion, you know, maybe. But then she thinks, man, if, if I don't eat anything, I'm going to die. He can't, he can't make anything for himself, you know. She's been all this. She could, she could have handled it herself. 
She could have. I don't think it would have went well, but she could have. Does it ever go well when you handle it yourself? Or option number two. Instead of staring at the flower and staring at the oil, she put her focus on the word of God. All right, God. You said it. You said you take care of me. I'm going to trust you. That's living by faith, isn't it? Focusing on the goodness of God, the grace of God, the power of God, the love of God. It's a, you know what? It's okay. You're here today and you say, man, I, just, I don't have the answers. I'm weak. I feel like God's telling me to do this thing. I just don't feel like I have the strength. You're right where you need to be. You're okay. You're okay. You're okay. Just, just step out in faith. Do what God's telling you to do and trust God to give you what you need. Okay? It's the other folks, the folks that are here and say, man, I got everything. I got this under control. I'm really going to knock it out of the park. Wait till everybody sees my life. Okay? You're in trouble. Okay? But you're not in trouble being dependent upon the Lord. Let's trust him. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper today. Um, we try to do this once a month. Uh, you don't have to be a member of our church to, to partake of the Lord's Supper with us. We just ask you to be a born-again believer. Uh, it should be someone who's, who's put your faith in Christ and displayed that publicly. Um, I'd like to ask our guys to come up and uh, prepare the table for us. Um, the body and blood of Jesus are our provision for life. Did you know that? Uh, how do we live? We live by, by, the, by the body, the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died for our sins. He shed his blood for us so that we might live. Okay? So that we might live. And what we do when we partake of, of the Lord's Supper is we remember. We remember that we are appropriating the body and the blood of Jesus every day. We're living by the gospel. We're living by what Christ has done for us. And so I invite you to just bow your heads with me and, and let's reflect for a moment before we, before we begin to, to offer the Lord this worship. Father, we thank you for, for the shed blood of Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, that you were willing to give your body to be broken, uh, to die as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. We thank you, Jesus, that, uh, Lord, that you provided a way for us to be holy, for us to be righteous, not with our own righteousness, but with yours, uh, with your righteousness that you, you lived out and you purchased for us through the cross. And so, Lord, we, we thank you for that. And we pray, Father, that you would bless this time of worship.